Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Pit Pass F1. My name's Michael Laminato, and this is race day at the 2024 Bahrain Grand Prix. Pit Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts. And on today's episode, Max Verstappen wins in a display eerily reminiscent of his dominant 2023 campaign. But there are some signs of hope that this season could be more competitive. The Christian Horner saga continues to roll, this time with an appearance from a major Red Bull power player. And a bizarre post-race near crash between teammates Daniel Ricciardo and Yuki Tsunoda gets the season off to an awkward start for the newly rebranded RB team. To wrap up the final day of the season-opening Bahrain Grand Prix, it's over to Chris Medlin in the paddock. Okay, so the first race of the 2024 season is in the books and that book is looking rather similar to the book of last year. So I'm very sorry, everyone, if I gave you hope. But Max Verstappen absolutely breezed it today. Uh, It was one of those races where you thought there was a little bit of hope going into it. I think we'd seen, obviously, signs of testing that said Red Bull were going to be a long way clear. But the other signs we got from practice and qualifying and just the way the weekend had panned out said, yes, Red Bull have an advantage, but maybe the gap's a bit smaller. And if someone can get into the lead at turn one, we could have a race on our hands. Well, Charles Leclerc had half a go at that. He tried running outside of Verstappen at turn one. And I think we've all seen that story a number of times. Verstappen was never going to let him get around the outside uh, and had positioned his car well. He was still comfortably ahead. So... Uh, Leclerc had to back out and as soon as he had to do that that genuinely was it for Verstappen off he went into the distance seemed to control his pace he had a comfortable lead uh, within a couple of laps and never looked in danger behind him Sergio Perez came through to get second place and that was pretty strong work too but that then meant that having seen a 1-2 from Red Bull everyone's panicking that we're going to have a repeat of last season and yes the signs are similar but there's subtle differences and actually quite major differences that give us some hope for 2024 and that's what I'm going to focus on uh, in tonight's podcast. So if you look behind Red Bull, last year it was Fernando Alonso on the podium as well alongside uh, Verstappen and Perez, another one too. But at that point, Aston Martin wasn't much closer than it was this weekend in Bahrain and this time round it was ninth and 10th for the Aston Martins. So what's changed is Mercedes, Ferrari and McLaren have got their acts together over the last 12 months and they're starting this season from much stronger positions than they started last season. Now, it might look very similar to how we ended 2023, but you've got to look at it against the prism of how it started 12 months ago and Mercedes were really struggling, the team was very downbeat talking about how difficult the car was to drive, how it got the concept wrong, how it needed to change everything, and Toto Wolff was apologising to his drivers, saying he was going to do better. Now, Ferrari also had seen some real issues with degradation and thought they were going to be in a lot of trouble as well. And while Charles Leclerc probably should have been on the podium 12 months ago, 
This time around, it was actually Carlos Sainz who got third place, and there were no such issues with degradation. The actual only problem that Ferrari have got to dig into now is a brake issue that Leclerc suffered during the race that took him out of the running, really, for the podium. But he still recovered to fourth once he kind of got his found a way round that brake issue. I'm not too sure actually speaking to the team if it resolved itself, if it was that he actually just wasn't comfortable in certain periods of the race or if there was an inherent problem. But still, good, good points for Ferrari, third and fourth. And that was a continuation of the form we saw at the end of last season. Now, there were plenty of times Ferrari were on pole in the second half of last year other times that they put pressure on Red Bull and Max Verstappen. I think as a starting point, as much as Red Bull will be pushing harder with the development of this car, I think we've got other teams that are in a better position to take the fight to them. So realistically, coming out of this race, as much as it seems all doom and gloom, it certainly wasn't a classic. Let's not you know, try and kid anyone. It, it was not going to be one that people watched the highlights of for years to come. But it was a race where what we saw in testing played out and the realistic expectations that we had that hopefully teams would close the gap to Red Bull might not be the case based on the end of last year, but is the case based on the start of last year. So hopefully from this point, it means it gets closer as the season goes on. That's the little bit of hope I'm going to hand out. Now, I promise you this is not a showbiz podcast, but it's impossible to ignore the whole situation that's been going on around Red Bull over the last few weeks and actually the context of what happened during the race day. Now, Uh, Christian Horner has been the subject of the independent investigation that was launched by Red Bull GmbH uh, and as part of that uh, he was eventually cleared, the the grievance was dismissed uh, and he held on to his role as team principal and CEO but it became very very clear during this past week that somebody still wants him to lose his job or trying to undermine his position whatever it may be and that certainly Horner is facing an internal battle. Now Part of that has revolved around his marriage and his personal relationships, but his wife, Jerry Horner, was present in Bahrain today. And there was a very notable moment where Jerry arrived at the circuit hand in hand with Christian, walked in together. Photographers were lining up to get the shot of the two of them. And it was a real sign of unity in their current situation with their relationship and their marriage. Uh, It was a clear statement of intent. Then uh, when it came to pre-race on the grid, Christian Horner wasn't shying away from anything. He was on the grid, as usual, at the front by his car. And I was actually interviewing him at the time for American Radio to talk about you know how difficult the last few weeks and months have been uh, and how distracting it may have been and the challenges of that. Uh, and he gave his stock answers that he's not really going to comment too much on the processes and, uh, and what's gone on and certain items that he says he can't comment on but that he was very relieved that racing was starting again and that could now become the focus for the team at least. But while he was there, he had to break off because the heir to the Red Bull fortune, Chalam Uvida, came over and wanted to pose for a photo with him. Now, Chalam is essentially the majority shareholder of Red Bull, the overall company. He and his family own 51% of the company and the other 49% owned by the Matishitzes. So based on that, he has a lot of sway. And what it was doing was showing that he was standing by Christian Horner. Now, if there is this internal battle for power within Red Bull as an overall company uh, and also within the Formula One team, this was a clear statement of of where the Thai side of it priorities lie and where their allegiances lie. So uh, it was very, very telling. All obviously nothing to do with what was about to unfold on track itself, but had major repercussions, I would say, for the political landscape within that team and within that company. So uh, that's actually where a lot of the camera lenses were focused pre-race. 
Uh, and it was uh, yeah, a fascinating aspect that's been playing along, alongside the start of this season. Now, I warned you it wasn't a classic, this race. And if you've watched the race or seen the highlights, I'm sure you're going to agree with me. But there was one aspect that provided some controversy for us. Uh, and it actually came after the chequered flag. So to give you a bit of context, the two Visa Cash Up RB V-Carb cars uh, were finding themselves together at the end of the race. And it was Daniel Ricciardo closing in on Yuki Sonoda for what was 13th place, with Sonoda close behind Kevin Magnussen for 12th. Now, Sonoda was on hard tyres, Ricciardo was on softs, and there's a performance advantage for those soft tyres. Now, Sonoda's basically had the upper hand over Ricardo for most of this weekend, or at least executed better in qualifying. Uh, but Ricardo had the better strategy at that point in the race, and so was told to be allowed past Sonoda to go and have a go at Magnussen to see if he could make further progress. There was potentially an 11th place up for grabs if he could make enough progress in those final laps. And then who knows if something happened up ahead of them, then there could be a point on offer. But Sonoda was unhappy with the call, let the team know that over team radio, uh, and then took a little while to actually move out of the way. A couple of laps after that call came his way, he finally moved. And Ricardo could have a go at Magnussen, but then felt he didn't have the freshness in his tyres to get the move done uh, and ended up crossing the line in 13th. Sonoda was still very unhappy about this. Perhaps the fact he wasn't given the place back, but there was no team order to do that at the flag. Uh, so on the cooldown lap, Sonoda made a, a pretty aggressive overtake on Ricardo into turn eight. The right-handed hairpin uh, came in, locked up his tyres, kind of wanted to make a point by going through there at that kind of speed uh, and with that amount of flamboyance, I guess, with the tyres all locked up. And then he accelerated very aggressively out of that corner uh, and nearly lost the rear a couple of times, but I assume he was just playing with the throttle in that sense. But he came perilously close to making contact to Ricardo's car as he swerved back onto the track. So certainly from the onboard of Ricardo's, it looked really, really dodgy. Onboard with Sonoda, slightly less so, but still, you know, very strange for two teammates to be that close together post-race as well. Uh, and Ricardo was very angry. He, he kind of swore at Sonoda over Team Radio at the time and then quickly stopped himself and said he was going to leave it. Uh, but then explained afterwards uh, that the whole scenario had been seen coming. They talked about the strategy ahead of the race. Sonoda was aware that he might be asked to move out of the way. Uh, and as a result, it shouldn't have come as a shock. But Sonoda was definitely very upset. And it was telling because I went down to the VCARB hospitality unit after the race to try and get a comment from Lauren Mechies, the team principal, and he was talking to Sonoda's manager as they walked over to the hospitality unit. They stood outside and had a long discussion there. I wouldn't say it got heated, but uh, there were times it was a little bit animated. And it went on for quite a while until they then seemed to decide that it was best carried on behind closed doors. And they went back to the garage uh, and I assume uh, to some more private space to continue talking. But clearly, Sonoda's side of the garage will be saying, well, we shouldn't have been asked to move over or we should have been given the place back. I think everyone else within that team will be unhappy with the way Sonoda reacted. And it really is not a great way to start a new season. There's some tension there. Um, whether it's going to be lingering or not, uh, these little moments add up and they add up quickly. So for those two drivers to be kind of having a flashpoint at the first round out of 24, when they're both fighting for their futures and trying to prove themselves worthy of a Red Bull seat in future, uh, is, uh, is, is tasty, to be honest. We're going to have to keep an eye on it because I think that one is going to have a lot more in the way of potential controversy later in the year.
That was Chris Medlin, who was in the F1 paddock all this weekend, bringing us the latest from the Bahrain Grand Prix. You can find more from Chris on social media. Just check the links in the show description. Next weekend is the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, and you can stay up to date throughout the round by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating and a review. You can also find us at pitpassmotorsports.com, where you can check out the Pit Pass Motorsports blog, powered by Podium Life, featuring racing articles and motorsport industry news. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast. My name's Michael Laminato, and we'll be back in just a couple of days from Jeddah. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.